The following audio is from the Grove Church Marysville campus. For more information about our church or to listen to previous sermons, check out our website at grove.church. Welcome this morning. We are going to jump into Galatians chapter 5, and uh, I guess I'll go ahead and just warn you now that some of you may feel like you want to leave at some point during the message. Um, so I just encourage you to stay seated until we dismiss. So thanks for that. Uh, Galatians 5 is where we're going to land. And um, really, the reason I'm doing this, people ask me, why are you even growing a beard? And it's because that my kids can't go see the mall Santa. So I'm just going to be St. Nick at home this year. It's kind of the goal. Uh, and there's a lot of gray, a lot of white going on. So, you know, if you think I'm like 60, I'm not, not even close. So <sighs> Galatians 5, like I said, is where we're going to land. My, my, uh, my daughter last week asked me, hey, dad, you ever got a ticket? <laughs> That's a terrible question. <laughs> of course, she, she drives. She's been driving for a while. She asked me, have you ever got a ticket? I said, yeah, I've, I've got quite a few. She said, well, what was the worst one you got? And uh, that's not a question you should ask, so that's not fair. So I feel the need to sort of justify the whole thing. The worst ticket I ever got was the first ticket I ever got. I was 16 years old. Um, I was living out on Tulalip. If anybody knows, uh, like along five miles out, Marine Drive, um, you go up Waterworks, Turk Road. I lived way up there. It was a gravel road, like three and a half miles. I'm the kid who could literally say it was uphill both ways to the bus stop. And the bus didn't come within a mile and a half of my house. I had to walk sometimes. It was brutal. Anyway, um, when I got my license, I got a job at Pay and Save at the Marysville Mall. If anybody remembers that, Pay and Save. Um, got a job there. I was driving home one night. And again, I'd only had my license for, I think, a couple of months. And when I was driving on Marine Drive... Um, there was a car in front of me that was going really slow, like 10, 15 miles an hour, maybe 20. And I'm like, oh, this is crazy. Like, I got to get past them. Well, I also, like, qualified a little bit. I used to drive, a, 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 back then, a four-door hatchback Volkswagen Dasher diesel with, like, a half a horsepower. So anyway, um, so I'm like, I got to pass this person. Well, it's a windy road. I finally got to a place where the, the dotted line so I could pass. So I passed them. And for whatever reason then, I think they were offended by that. So they like sped up and were trying to ride me. And so I'm like, you know what? We're just going to get done with this. So I try to gun it, which my car doesn't really gun it very well. And so I, I'm, trying, I'm going pretty fast. I finally get to my turnoff. I turn and they were a little ways behind me. But after I turned, I get maybe 100 yards down the road and I see these lights behind me. I'm like, oh no. So I just, I keep going. And here now I'm on the gravel road. And okay, here's the qualifier. If you're familiar with gravel roads, we used to live on the road that they would oil it so they would keep the dust down. Well, the problem was when they oil it, the speed limit goes from 35 to 20 for like two or three days until the oil kind of settles in. And so the speed limit is 20. So I'm, I'm cruising pretty good down this road going like 65. And these lights behind me, um, they're like getting closer. And I'm like, I'm going to get beat up. I mean, I don't know what's going to happen to me. I was nervous. So I'm just trying my best to, to, to outrun. Well, they, they keep getting closer and closer. Finally, the cop turns on his lights. I'm like, oh, no, it was a cop. Uh, that wasn't the person I passed, by the way. That was a different car. But at the turnoff, there was a cop sitting at the fire station. I didn't see him. I was too busy. Like, I'm going to die, you know. So um, anyway, pulls me over. I try to explain to him what happened. He writes me a reckless driving ticket, which that's like like a criminal record type of thing. I'm nervous as all get out. I end up going to court over in Arlington and um, the, the, the prosecutor for the state, I guess he'd be called, um, is, is meeting with like me and my family. 
And, and he says to me, uh, the maximum fine, just so you know, is um, uh, $5,000 on a year in jail, but you won't have to do time until you turn 18. So I'm thinking, you know, happy birthday to me, you know, like, I'm in a chain gang digging ditches on my 18th birthday, I don't know. Anyway, had this guy, I was terrified. Anyway, so the, the judge, uh, I get there, I'm nervous, I'm shaking, I'm freaking out. The judge says, all right, we're going to reduce it to $500 time served and not reckless driving. And I was grateful, even though, of course, back then, even $500 was a ton of money. And so I told my daughter all this and uh, said, just don't ever speed and don't ever get a ticket. Why did I get a ticket? Well, because I broke the law. We receive penalties because we break laws. Why do we have laws? Well, we have laws, first of all, because then we know where the line is before we're penalized for our behavior, okay? But the other part is we have laws so that we can coexist together in a way that creates a certain level of sort of harmony with one another, that if I just do whatever, you know, it doesn't work that way, so we have laws. Here's the problem with laws, and maybe you've never thought of it this way. Laws don't create a high bar. Laws create a low bar. And maybe you've never really thought of it that way, but think about it for a second. Laws don't create a high bar. Laws create a low bar. How close can I get to the line before I get in trouble for doing something I shouldn't have been doing? And many of us in this room are guilty of this. And I'm just going to talk about driving, but it, it, many of us kind of go, I can drive, I can go, you know, five over and I'm probably not going to get a ticket. Now, if you're a sheriff and you pull me over, don't say you said it. So I'm giving you a ticket. Okay. Just, anyway, but most of us kind of go, well, I can get away with going one over or two over or, or five over and I'm not going to get a ticket. Okay. There we, that's, we mentally, we're like, we know the line is this. I'm going to go five over cause I can kind of stretch it. That's the low bar. Okay. By the way, the, the, there are people that don't care. Like, you know what? I got enough money that if I, I'm going 10 over and I get a ticket, you know, whoop de doo I'll just write a check. And you got people that like drive, I don't know what, like what Lamborghinis or whatever. Like I can go a hundred over and I don't care because I have all the money in the world. Here you go. I don't know. But we all know there are laws and some of us are more comfortable with getting closer and closer or getting further and further over the line before we get into some kind of trouble because that's the way it goes. All it goes to prove though is that these laws really create the low bar. How close can I get? How far over the line or whatever can I go before I get into some kind of serious, serious trouble? It, the, the same is true, by the way, um, because according to the laws of the land, and you're not going to like this, but according to the laws of the land, I, I can, I can you know, have, have intimate relations with anybody as long as we're consenting adults, and that's not somehow against the law. Okay, once again, that's a low bar, you guys. That's a low bar. That's as low kind of as, as it gets. How many in here would say you've heard of the Bill of Rights? Just raise your hands. Okay? Most of us, if you haven't, the United States of America has something called the Constitution. Connected to it are the amendments called the Bill of Rights. And there's, you know, so originally 10, you know, the Bill of Rights, there's 10 things. Anybody know what they are without looking? Anyone want to? Yeah, none of us do. Okay? But here, let me just go over them relatively quickly, okay? The Bill of Rights. Number one, freedom of religion, speech, press assembly and petition. Number two, the right to bear arms. Okay. Number three, um, the, the, uh, you don't, you'll never be forced to house soldiers. So you didn't know that one. Merry Christmas. Okay. Um, number four, unlawful search and seizure. You've heard of that before. Okay. Uh, number five, the right to due process. Something goes on. You, you get it. You know, so number six, a fair trial. Number seven, in certain circumstances, a trial by a jury of your peers. Not every trial is that way. Some can be that way, depending on what happened. Um, 
Number, uh, number eight, cruel and unusual punishment. There shall be no cruel. Okay. Uh, number nine, these rights don't constitute all rights. Just because this is a list doesn't mean it's the entirety of all of our rights. And number 10, beyond these rights, the states have the ability to enact local you know, parameters, rights, you know, laws for people to exist. So here's the thing. The, the reason I'm saying oh, we're getting somewhere, don't just like this, like U.S. history or something. Okay. There are laws, and we have rights. Okay, nobody, that's not really new to probably anybody. There are laws, and we have rights. The problem with laws, sorry, laws are the guardrails, and the rights are my freedom to fill in the blank. Okay, the problem is this. Laws are the low bar, and rights are wonderful unless I only care about my rights. Does that make sense? Okay, laws are the low bar and, and, and rights are wonderful unless I only care about my own. Because along with rights comes, anybody wanna fill that in? Thank you. Okay, not only do you and I have rights, we cannot forget that we also have responsibilities. There's not a lot written about responsibilities because there's this, this innate sense within mankind in general that we ought to be responsible to our fellow human beings. So we have rights, but along with rights, don't ever forget that we also carry with us responsibilities. You and I, are stewards of our freedom. That being said, it's, it's true as a people of the USA, but it's also true of people that would say, I am a follower of Jesus Christ. I am a steward of my freedom, and my freedom wasn't meant for me alone. Okay, follow along here today. As a married man, and I don't like this, but as a married man, according to the laws of the United States of America, I can have an affair because there's no law in my land to challenge me, but that doesn't mean I should do it. Why? Because my responsibility is to a marriage and to take care of my wife, right? I have a right, according to the law, to apparently have an affair, but that doesn't mean it's okay because along with that is an eight responsibility. And now you can all go, well, yeah, but that's not the only thing. There's also scripture. And I get that, but just follow me here. It's both a right and a, marriage is both a right and a responsibility. My concern is this, and this is just my heart today, okay? My concern is this. We are so focused on fighting for our rights without considering how those rights overshadow our responsibility to others, okay? That's my heart. What I see today is, is, is this crazy polarization, and in our series Unfriended that we just wrapped up last week, I talked a lot about there's so much polarization, and watch this, this documentary called The Social Dilemma, and take notes because there's a lot of information there that will help you understand why we are in some ways where we are. There's a lot more to it, but my concern as a follower of Jesus and as a pastor, to be honest with you, is that you and I flex our rights constantly right now without considering the perspective of people that don't necessarily think the same way. The problem is not that we flex our rights. The problem is the way that it comes across to other people shuts down conversations. And listen, when it shuts down conversations, we're losing our ability to influence as ambassadors of Jesus to our world. That's my deep concern. 
So bear with me because again, there's some of you that alarm bells are going off and you're like, I'm gonna find another church. I get that, I get it. But, but just, just bear with me today, okay? Ultimately, we can too easily use our freedom to hurt other people. 2,000 years ago, when, when Paul was helping establish with a team of leaders and there were other established churches all over the place, he was writing letters. Most of us are aware that in the New Testament, we have books like Ephesians and Galatians and Colossians and stuff, but those aren't just books of the Bible. Those are letters written mostly by Paul. Those ones I mentioned are by Paul to churches that he cared deeply about. One of those letters is called Galatians. It's, letter, it's a letter to the churches in the region of Galatia. And in chapter five, starting in verse 13, he says this, you, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. For the entire law is summed up in keeping this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. If you bite and devour each other, watch out or you will be destroyed by each other. Jesus, as we stop and pray, we invite your Holy Spirit that as we look at scripture says lives inside of us. We invite your Holy Spirit to help us process this conversation. I, God, need your help desperately to try to say this as clearly as I can. But I pray for open hearts. I pray, God, that you would open our minds to realize some of the damage that we could so easily do if we're not careful. In Jesus' name, amen. You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free. Awesome. That's an amazing invitation by Paul because especially in the first century church, they had such a hard time peeling themselves away from the list of Old Testament laws that they were used to following. And so when he talks about that, that we're called to be free, we're free in Christ from having to be stuck to all of these laws. That's something that back then people would have done backflips about because that's exciting, exciting news. We're no longer bound to the regulations of the Old Testament. In modern day vernacular, you could say, I have my rights. I'm free, I have my rights, that's awesome. But it's followed by one three letter word that's spelled B-U-T. My brothers and sisters, you were called to be free, but, see this is, you have rights. You're free to do all kinds of things. You're no longer bound that way, but do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. And you could go, well, yeah, but isn't he just talking about, because later on in this chapter, by the way, in context, he's gonna be listing things like dissensions and factions and orgies and all this crazy, isn't that what he's talking about? On one hand, absolutely, but he's talking about when you and I indulge the flesh, it doesn't take into consideration how my behavior, how what I'm doing is impacting other people. So when he says, do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh, he's saying don't focus so much on those things that you call rights. Be aware that you have rights and that's awesome, but... Take on the responsibility. And what does he say the responsibility is? 
serve one another in love. And it would be super easy again for you and I to go, isn't he talking about we who are followers of Christ together? Isn't he talking about the way I serve you and you serve me and we serve each other and let's not worry about the world so much? And I would argue with you, don't miss the point. He's not just talking about those who are quote unquote in Christ. He says, don't use your freedom to indulge the flesh and make it only about your rights. Take on the responsibility of serving one another in love. And then Paul goes on to use the words of Jesus in Luke chapter 10. If you're taking notes, write down Luke chapter 10. In Luke chapter 10, Jesus was in a conversation with the crowd who they were challenging him to say, well, how would you sum up the Old Testament? And what did Jesus say? Number one, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Number two, love your neighbor as yourself. And then someone from the crowd blurted out what? Do you remember? Who's my neighbor? And Jesus, instead of going, let me tell you, let me show you, stand up. He, he did this. Let's just say there was a guy going down from Jerusalem to Gaza. And let's just say he fell into the hands of robbers. And let's just say they beat him and robbed him and left him for dead on the side of the road. And let's just say a priest walked by. And let's just say the priest was too busy and kept going. And let's just say a Levite walked by. Same idea. Kept going. And let's just say a Samaritan walked by. Why does Jesus say Samaritan? To prove the point that the neighbor is not those that are part of the same community that think the same and believe the same and have the same history and get everything the way everyone else does. He says Samaritan, that would, and that would deeply offend the whole crowd listening because there was a wall, kind of this idea of a wall between Samaritans and Jews in that day. So when Jesus said Samaritan, that would have been a reason they would pick up stones and want to kill him. And you and I read it and go, Samaritan, cool. Samaritan's purse, great, love ministry. <laughs> You're missing the point. When, when, when Paul says, love your neighbor as yourself, and it's in quotations, it goes back to what Jesus said about our neighbors being people all around us that, that maybe they line up with who you are and what you believe in where you're at, like some of us might. And maybe it's other people who don't believe at all like you do, who rub you the wrong way, who even Jesus talked about could be called enemies. And what did Jesus say about the way that you and I ought to treat enemies even? To love them! My brothers and sisters, you were called to be free, but don't use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. And then he brings up what Jesus had to say. For the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. Clearly talking about people not of his quote-unquote kind. So what does it look like? to serve others in love. In this world that we live in, let me give you a couple of thoughts and then you can leave angry. <laughs> my rants, my verbal sparring, my indulgence in the flesh to win the argument 
that's actually costing me my influence with others that don't believe the same way? Do you understand the cost of flying off at the handle at times, ranting about things, bringing up some of the things that we do? Do you know that when someone is rude with us and we, we're rude back, it's called mirroring? You know the problem with mirroring? Mirroring acknowledges there's a problem but doesn't solve it. If you act rude to me, Ray, and I act rude back to you, all that does is show that there's a problem. Did it solve it? No, now we're just a couple of chumps being mean to each other. And so for you and I, when somebody acts rude, when somebody's unkind, when somebody has to make their point in a rude way, and you go, all right, fine then, here we go. And some of us love to read comment, 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 reply, comment, reply, reply, comment, comment, comment. Ooh, this is getting good. <laughs> it, it, it takes me to what, what Jesus said to Peter. The, the, um, the disciples are in the Garden of Gethsemane as Jesus is like in his last moments with the disciples before he's arrested. Do you remember this? They're, they're, they're praying. Well, Jesus is praying. The disciples are having a snooze fest. But anyway, Jesus basically says, hey, you know, watch him pray. And he's praying and they're sleeping. And he comes back, watch him pray. And he's praying and they're sleeping. And finally, he's like, hey, we got to go. Here comes a bunch of soldiers. We got some trouble brewing. The soldiers show up in front of him. And what does Peter do? Ching, right? Yeah, and like, Van Gogh, look, Van Gogh, okay? That's his ear. He lops his ear off. Sorry, if you didn't know that, Van Gogh, anyway, okay. Art history, my bad, okay? Peter lops a guy's ear off. And what does Jesus do? Yeah, get him! Go for the other ear! Go this way, take the whole head, man, this is awesome! What does Jesus do? Yeah, not only does Jesus, like, pick up the ear, like, bless you, you know. Hey, he can hear again, cool. Okay, miracle, amazing. What does he say to Peter? He says, I'm not leading a rebellion here. And then he gives Peter a warning. Anybody know what it was? Those who live by the sword die by Jesus says to Peter, I'm not leading a rebellion. Put your sword away. Bless you, be healed, Peter. If you live by the sword, you die by the sword. Knock it off. Now, let's go back to what Paul says in Galatians chapter five because it goes right along with what Jesus just said. If you bite and devour each other, you will be destroyed by each other. That's supposed to be a warning. From Paul reminding us, you have all of these rights. You're free in Christ. You can get away with all kinds of behavior according to you and God, and that's a dangerous premise in the world of grace. Totally another sermon for another day. Just write it down with a question mark, and we'll come back to it someday. But, but Paul's point here is that instead of looking at what I can do and get away with and, and, and have this freedom to, to enjoy, what about my ability to consider the perspective of others and how what I do will impact them. That's Paul's concern. And if you stick to, yeah, but these are my rights. Yeah, but I can do this. Yeah, but that's my freedom. And Paul says that attitude ends up biting and devouring other people. 
And that attitude, when you bite and devour them, means they're probably going to retaliate by biting and devouring you back, and the whole situation is going to be a disaster. Sound familiar? See, you look at our world and go, what in the world is happening? This whole planet is so polarized and it's such a mess, and what are we supposed to do? And nobody wants to show up in a church and have a pastor say to them, knock it off. Stop. You're not helping people see Jesus when you go off on rants, when you're not careful about how things are worded, when you don't consider the platform that you stand on before you give the speech. You go, what do you mean by that? We said weeks ago, it's not just about the right thing. Is it the right way and the right time? Now, listen, this is not about, and I'm going to be very clear here. This is not about in the world. I know we're 10 days away, nine days away from an election, and we're all going, dear Jesus, help us. Here goes nothing, you know. It's going to happen this way or it's going to happen that way. I hope you've been praying for it. We're supposed to. I'll get to that in a second. This isn't about skipping the vote. This isn't about not, not knowing what you should be voting for. You ought to be informed and you need to vote. That's your freedom in the beautiful country we call the United States of America. By all means, vote. Be informed. Make informed decisions. It doesn't mean we don't stand for certain things or believe in certain things. But it's the way that you and I come across to a world, listen, that doesn't care about church, that doesn't care about Jesus, that couldn't care less whether we gather in a building or not. As you and I flex our rights, and we have them, as you and I flex our rights, we need to be aware how our approach affects others. So there's a point where Paul is raising up the next generation. And we have some letters in scripture that Paul wrote, 1st, 2nd Timothy, and Titus, where he's giving directives to the next generation. If you're taking notes, write down 1st Timothy chapter 2. In 1st Timothy chapter 2, Paul has got done with his intro at the beginning of the letter and said a few things, and then he's, he's begun to, to, to challenge that there's some issues going on. Then he says, let me charge you, Timothy, and I want you to hear this. Paul says to Timothy, as the next generation of leadership in the church, I urge then that first of all, petitions, prayers, intercession, and thanksgiving be made for all people. Did you hear that? That petitions, prayers, thanksgiving be made for all people, for kings, and all of those in authority. You're supposed to give thanks for all of those in authority. And you go, no, 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 he can't be right about that. I mean, he must have just missed a word or two there. I'm going to edit it and make it what I want it to say. By the way, when, when, when your life collides with Scripture, there ought to be submission on one level or another, and it shouldn't be Scripture. Side note, another sermon. Write that down. We'll get to it <laughs> down the road. I urge, first of all, then, that prayers and petitions, intercession, and thanksgiving be made for all people, for kings and all of those in authority. And then you well, why? That we may live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. Do not hear those words as quiet, meaning you can't use your voice. Do not hear those words as you know, quiet and, and godliness, meaning you can't speak up or say anything. What he's talking about is having an attitude of reverence for people in authority, whether you agree with them or not. 
And the reason he's going to get to in a second is unbelievably important. He says, this pleases God, our Savior. This pleases God, our Savior, who wants all people to be saved and come to a knowledge of the truth. The way that you and I act with our rights matters in a huge way to those people that don't necessarily care about what you believe. Because Paul is saying, Timothy, as you lead and as you make decisions and as you have influence, pray. And by the way, some of us spend way more time ranting than praying. Another sermon, mark that down, we'll get to that down the road. A whole bunch of these, right? When you and I live prayerfully, when you and I are willing to surrender to the scripture that says, give thanks, doesn't matter what people believe, give thanks, pray, kings, all those, they're all people, that when we live that way, it creates in us, and this is what I believe, it creates in us a reverence, that even though we don't, we don't agree about certain things, we don't have to disrespect Even though we don't agree, it doesn't mean we have to be mean-spirited because it's in those platforms that you and I lose our voice. When he says this is good and pleases God our Savior, it's that reminder, I love the last part, verse four, who wants all people to be saved? The point, what you and I are pointing to, we're pointing to Jesus. And if all they see out of us is vitriol, if all they see out of us is anger, if all they see out of us is self-righteousness, if all they see out of us is those things or are those things, then that's a reflection of Jesus. I've said many times before, the title Christian, if you say, I am a Christian, you can be wildly uncomfortable with this, but it's true, Christian means little Christs. It doesn't mean we're Jesus, don't get a Messiah complex, but it means representatives of a savior that loves mankind. Paul says that our lens for life should be how it impacts others' ability to know Jesus. That's why, and I'm just going to be honest with you, and again, you may not like this or agree with it. That's why, as a person connected to people across the spectrum of politics and belief, you don't see me shouting, I'm voting for fill in the blank from a stage like this, from social media. You don't hear me shouting in certain ways like that because taking that approach alienates too many people I have relationship with. And you, you go, well, okay, you just water it all down. I get, you can think that. But here's the thing. In my context, there are better places to have conversations, real conversations. The majority of people that I'm related to aren't part of church world. And I happen to care about my relationship with those people deeply. I love them deeply. I've been praying for some of them for decades. And I'm not willing to burn that to simply shout, fill in the blank. I go to a gym. I mean, look at me. You know that. Okay, just. Okay. Okay, back to serious. I go to a gym where most members couldn't care less about Jesus. Some of them do. Some of them are part of the church. But, but part of my opportunity to even be there isn't just to try to stay healthy, but it's to be an influence for Christ. 
And I get in some amazing dialogue with people that are far from where my faith is at. People that on their birthday literally say, hey, if everybody would give, just give to the church of Satan. And I'm not exaggerating. But people that I can stay connected to and have a voice with. I live in a neighborhood where there's many people that care about their faith and love Jesus, but many don't. And yet I continue to build bridges with my neighbors. And I don't want to burn that simply because of a quick speech I'm able to give. And you're not going to like this one especially. But I pastor in a church of wildly diverse people. People that believe all kinds of different ways. And that rubs some people the wrong way. And you're, some people go right to, well, if you were really preaching the gospel, they wouldn't believe fill in the blank, right? I see that all the time. I get it all the time, by the way. From other pastors even. How dare you? <laughs> so fun. But here's the thing. I pastor a church of diverse people with opinions across the spectrum. And we're all in different places in our maturity in Christ. And I'm not going to point to who's mature and who's not. That's not what I'm saying. I'm simply saying when you have a people all across, we have brand new baby believers. Let me just be honest. When I was a brand new baby believer in Jesus, nothing changed about my beliefs. I just gave my life to Christ. And you don't like to hear that. Well, didn't everything change? No, I didn't understand anything. I still thought it was okay to, to do all kinds of things that I was doing, but I believed in Jesus. But it was amazing how the journey over time, as we've talked about, of sanctification begins to change who I am and what I believe. But we have a church of people all across the spectrum. I respect that. And I love the opportunity to disciple people that are all over the map. Oh, man, is it ever challenging. Oh, man, is it ever messy. Oh, man, do I get in the craziest conversations with some of you. But I love it, and it's okay. We're walking this journey going, how do I love Jesus a little more today than yesterday? That's the core. To me, that's what matters. So as I navigate this diverse world of connections, I'm trying to be careful how I represent Jesus Christ. Because, and here's the key to me, if I'm careless with my words or only care about my rights, then I'm not taking my responsibilities to love my neighbor as seriously as I should. And that's what I want you and I to consider. Jesus today, I pray for your Holy Spirit to do a work in all of us. That God, when we talk about that, well, I, I, I believe in Jesus, I've invited him to be the Lord of my life, that's not the end of it. it. It's that belief that as we invite Jesus in, we have the Holy Spirit that fills us. And sometimes, just like in the book of Acts, we need a fresh filling of your spirit, a fresh empowerment to understand better, to discern better, to walk wiser, that over and over and over, as we read in the New Testament, all these different letters, we are commanded over and over, be very careful how you live. Be very cautious what you say. Be warned about how you carry yourself in every situation. And let's not just be about our rights and our freedom to do, our freedom to say whatever it is, but God, to think through the lens of what does this do for the gospel? What does this do for the kingdom? That we can be the most incredible, gracious, loving, humble people. That even Paul, you said, if we step up to lead in any capacity, do it with great patience and careful instruction.
Father, help us to think and look differently about this. That yes, we have certain beliefs, but let us be so cautious about extending our rights without thinking through the responsibilities in Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to the Grove Church Marysville Sermon Podcast. If you want to keep up with us, like us on Facebook, Instagram, or visit our website at grove.church.